no more defenses. Our army is wiped out. Artillery, air force, everything wiped out. This may be the last broadcast. We'll stay here to the end. Welcome to Media and the End of the World, where we discuss today the end of Star Wars, or is it? It's yeah, yeah. It's all. It's the, never the end when of you, Star when Wars. When you grab the universe by its ears and shake it, if money falls out, there will be more. If yeah. money does not fall out, then maybe not. But we have a special guest today. Repeat. From the pod, from earlier podcast, mm-hmm. Keegan Longwheeler. Keegan, how are you? Doing all right. It is great to have you here. Thank you for taking the time to come by and talk to us because you are a uh, uh, a mentor of Star Wars knowledge. So <laughs> I think this is the first time all three of us have done this too. I think last time it was just Keegan yeah, and myself. True. So it's super fun yeah. to have all three of us. Yeah, here. yeah, it is great. I, I, so I want to give a background on, on where the idea of this conversation came from. So over the holiday break. Um, I went and saw episode nine, right? As we all did. Yes. And spoilers ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should say that if you haven't seen it. I mean, you can go see it. If you're me, you're just, you're confused. That's sort of the point is like, I immediately texted Keegan. And right. I was like, I'm bummed. It's the holiday break. Cause I don't have you to explain to me what just happened. And I mean, and I meant that on like multiple levels, like part of like the storyline, I literally wanted someone to explain to me, I think I've done enough research to kind of understand the story enough now, but then like the other, what just happened was this, um, this larger question about the making of star Wars and some of like the, the decisions that went into, you know, the way of which the story arc went. You know, on that <laughs> note, I just like to add that I just recently finished all of Mr. Robot. And in some future episode, I think we need to take that on. Yeah. Um, because it actually like comes up with a whole new way of being confusing. Yeah. That I that I think it'd be worth talking about. I think there's a lot of that happening right now. Yeah. You know, I've heard, I've heard you know similar people say the same thing about the end of Game of Thrones, right? Like it's just like yeah. the the way you know the way that some of these things end up, uh, how they end up landing the planes, not you know not always what we yeah. what we anticipate. But I, I, I think one I think one of the funny things about that is how people have these conversations that are like inside the story universe and then they can go outside kind of seamlessly yeah like why did that character die oh he got a good job on another show and that's like right. so it's like it's like it, it's kind of like so irrational to to answer the question like that but it kind of happens all the time yeah i think uh, maybe we should uh rewind just a little bit i think the the, the whatever reason when you have these star wars questions or conversations I feel, I always feel the need to sort of situate where I come from in the Star Wars, you know, like what's my background with it. So maybe, uh, Ralph, start, start with you and talk about your introduction into Star Wars. It'll be definitely the shortest. (laughs) Um, so I was on a, I was on a hot date when the first film came out and we were five minutes late for the film. Nice. And, and then you missed the scroll. (laughs) So I missed, I think I caught the very tail end of the scroll and, uh, but you know, it was, uh, at the time. It was like the thing, right? And this was in the era where 
movies had become these things that people stood in long lines for, which they hadn't three years before. And all of a sudden, everybody just wanted to do that. So it was it was a, quite an experience. So that, and then I've kind of like so you know for and this is where the nomenclature gets really weird, right? Because the first three are actually four, sure. five, and six, blah blah blah. The first three that came out, <laughs> I saw when they came out, and uh, then the first three or the fourth, fifth, and sixth that came out, I saw sort of in the digital sphere in bits and pieces. Yeah. And then the last three I've actually, I've actually watched within the last month. So, Oh, okay. So that's kind of, okay, interesting. And, oh, and I need to add, I've watched Mandalorian twice. So perfect. All right. Cool. I appreciate so, that. If, uh, so on the, if, if we were at a Thai restaurant and they were asking <laughs> you how spicy that you wanted your curry on a one to five, what's, what's your spicy level of your star Wars fandom? I, you know, let me hold on. Let me answer that later. Okay, perfect. Because I'm, I'm, because I'm, I'm wondering if this conversation is going to change my, my level of spiciness. For okay. The... Why well, does mean you know? Would you say that you are like a super f- duper fan? Five no. spicy. Okay. No, I'm yeah. definitely not. Okay. Not a five spicy. Okay. Keegan. All right. So, I have uh, seen all the movies in several different iterations and versions. I mean, I remember growing up, and my father had like the. Uh, the box set of right. the uh, VCR um, uh, tapes, and it was phenomenal to sit down. I had a weird thing when I was young where I would watch like the same movie over and over again. So that was one of the things that I did with uh, with Star Wars growing up. And then actually, like episodes one, two, and three, so the ones that came out in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s. I mean, those were some that I grew up with. So. I mean, for better or for worse, like I do have a uh, childhood attachment to those as well. Um, I've also, I mean, I've played many of the Star Wars video games, uh, including the ones that have story attached with them, uh, such as uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, Just shout out for that one in particular, although I haven't played the second one. So sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, Is there there one where you get to hunt Ewoks or is that not a thing? To hunt Ewoks? The in the newest um, uh, Star Wars Battlefront game, there's a Ewok hunt style of play, oh, and it's a... But you hunt with Ewoks, you know? Oh, or no, you, you hunt... Oh you, hu- oh, you do. Well, actually, you're hunted by Ewoks, <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's a... It's kind of a play on the, like, trying to survive uh, zombie kind of, uh, except okay. you're trying to survive against Ewoks, so every time... When you're, when you're defeated, you become an Ewok, so you join the Ewok crew, and you're trying to get all of the imperials ah okay so it's like catholicism i get it okay okay (laughs) so and then comic books yeah so a few of the books um not as many of the uh legends as they were so the legends books are the, the books that are now not technically canon per se uh as of disney's acquisition of the universe um but i have read a couple of the ones that are in the current universe, and then I've watched through the um, the Mandalorian, of course, but also the uh, um, the Clone Wars. Oh yeah, and the TV show. Um, it is, you know, it's got that kid kind of feel for it, but it's also it's also like it may be the most Star Wars of a Star Wars kind of thing, which is also why I adore that show and then i've dipped into the newer one rebels but i haven't watched the recent season so um that'll be on the on the docket but so 
lots lots of experience. I so, guess I guess it kind of the 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 biggest thing about it is like you know how people get misinformation videos on YouTube. You know yeah. they're trying to drag them into the most conspiracy things. Well, I get those for Star Wars. Like okay. I get the you know was was Jar Jar Binks supposed to be an opposite of Yoda? Like, are these things like, so that that's the kind of level I'm at. Yeah, where... That's a five spicy level. <laughs> so... I mean, you you feel guilty for the stuff that you haven't, like, for the games you haven't played. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that's a, okay. So I, uh, similar in age to Keegan. So, and a little, a little bit similar story, but probably less enthusiasm as just a kid. So was introduced to like the box set, you know, from my dad, Watched all of those. I you know, saw all the movies in in theater. <clears throat> I don't know if I've seen anything for one, two, or three, or seven, eight, nine more than like two times. You know, so like I'm a I enjoy the, the experience of going to see them. Um, it's very possible that I watched it again, but I I do not. I'm the opposite of the I want to say the opposite of the super fan because that would be someone who didn't you know didn't interface with it at all. I enjoy Star Wars, but at a very like, you know, base consumer level, you know, I I haven't really got into it, but I've been really interested in it, uh, particularly since the Disney acquisition, just because of the way it's became a pop culture phenomenon again, right? And I think that's what's so interesting. I mean, I don't think we have another example of a piece of media that has come through so many different generations uh, and technically at least one, what they're calling one story arc span this amount of time. Do we Ralph? Is there other example? I mean, certainly nothing at, at this, at this length and scale, right? Well, I mean, the closest would probably be Star Trek. Yeah. And sort of depending on where you draw the boundaries, Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But again, this is, I mean, Star Wars is a phenomenon of its own right. making and and uh, and its own dimension. Um, and I've always found it interesting as a um, you know, transmedia property because it's, yeah, you know, I, I, I defer to Keegan for a level of comprehensiveness I could only imagine. <laughs> but, you know, because I, I did want to ask both of you if you ever had Star Wars birthday cakes. Um, I don't know. Not that I, I remember. So. And then what about Lego sets? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had a I had one Christmas in particular where it was only Star Wars Legos. Like oh, that's that awesome. was it was yeah. phenomenal. I, from, <laughs> it was from so what, good. Yeah, from what I heard, Star Wars was a bridge for Legos, right? Legos going from bricks to building something with a plan. Mm. I mean Star Wars was really the uh, you know, the franchise the, the that, put, yeah, that, that yeah. pushed people into even thinking about Legos in that perspective. Yeah. And it's I I don't know what it looks like now, but there's a pretty, uh, you know, often used graphic that kind of breaks down like revenue within the Star Wars franchise. Mm -hmm. But it it's from what I, it's like a Wired article or something like that, um, and it's pre Disney acquisition. So I'm I'm interested to see how it's changed. But you know, for the longest time, the argument was that Star Wars brought more revenue from toys than box office, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, you know, it, it, it left the screen as much as anything else. So I think that's, you know, that's certainly an interesting part of Star Wars is they've, they figured out at a time when Star Wars came out, there weren't toys for movies, right? And the, and the thinking was, was, um, 
it, movies just aren't in your conscious long enough for someone to become super attached to it. Mo- movies at the time were something that just kind of came and went and, and we had this very narrow window. So like the, the, the toys of the time was things that either had comic books or a television show. I mean, the biggest toys were GI Joe and Barbie, you know, something that, that stayed within someone's conscious uh, longer than a specific movie itself. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, one of, George Lucas's brilliance was thinking about, you know, how do I make sure I have action figures? Um, but on the other end, he was so secretive with Star Wars that he didn't actually start approaching toy companies until, you know, a few months before the movie release. And I don't think he signed a deal until like the month before episode four came out. So, you know, thus we get the story of the Christmas with no Star Wars toys, you know, where you got the empty box right? <laughs> where you pre-ordered uh, yes. the action figures in hopes that they would, they were going to be there in the spring. So, you know, it's fascinating to think about that. And that's, that's my, my interest, you know, someone who studies things like consumer behavior and advertising. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm that's, that's the part of star Wars that really just blows my mind. And of course, Disney has, just, has taken it to a whole nother, another level. Yeah. And you know, that's, there's also like some, um, there's a, recommendation for like if you're interested in that like toys background and story uh, there's an episode i'm trying to remember what the series is but it's on netflix and it like goes into oh, yeah. either the that's right in the it's like toys of the 90s or toys, toys of the 80s us. yeah I toys that made yeah. us something like that um and it kind of gets into some of that that craze too so it'd be a it'd be a good follow-up i think if you're interested in that particularly that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, there's another side of that that I'd always found interesting because there's a lot of people, you know, I'm kind of a media literacy person. And, you know, one of the questions is, you know, what does, because when you think, again, you think about this expansive universe that crosses across all these different media, which makes it really interesting because it, you know, functions in a lot of different forms and contexts. But then when it comes to things like toys, you know, how do kids interact with the toys? And there's a lot of, there has been some criticism that, um, you know, when you get a toy, you know, do you play with it creatively or do you try to essentially recreate an experience? Mm-hmm. And that the the Star Wars toys were were early on very much recreating the experience, but because there's so much of an expansion of it now, sure. then it becomes much more of a creative kind of pursuit. And, you know, what right. kind of effect that has on, you know, kids who are using those toys as they're, you know, kind of develop their creative play. Yeah. So, and at some point we transition from the movie comes out and the action figures follow to the action figures literally are the movie, right? Right, You look at, you know, there's, there's deals that have been struck between Hasbro and Paramount where they've got, uh, you know, a a license for all the the Barbie movies or transformers or trolls or Lego movies. I mean, you know, it's the toys are the characters. It's so, it's so interesting to kind of see how that's flipped or, you know, how, how toy story has changed over time. Yeah. Yeah. I think the ultimate in my background as a parent, the ultimate and predatory was Hamtaro, you know, which is just sort of, I mean, this is a sidelight to the star Wars thing. Ham ham. Yeah. It was just sort of like, guess what? There's like, and actually, um, I'm the, the, uh, now here's my ignorance of video games, but I mean, we, you know, when you have like 80 characters and then they just keep on expanding the universe of characters, uh, which is what they did with Hamtaro. So you had like an, a Hamtaro for like every purpose. <laughs> and you could buy these really massive, fairly cheap sets of Asian produced Hamtaros. Yep. And, you know. Um, yeah. Well, I think to put some of this like into perspective as well, um, just so pulling from the numbers on Wikipedia for the highest um, 
uh, grossing like media franchises. Mm. So Star Wars had, according to this, forty-two billion in merchandise sales, uh, but also ten billion for the box office. Yeah. So that kind of puts that in yeah. perspective as well. And that does not include the home video sales or video games or book or TV revenue. That's crazy. So yeah, it's nuts. Okay, so um, so everyone being have coming from three different entry points into Star Wars. Uh, talk to me about Episode Nine. Cause so, because I I, I I feel like I don't know. I, I feel like the at first it felt like there was a lot of different opinions, and I feel like people have kind of come to one conclusion. But I'm interested to hear where you where you came down. <laughs> I'm I'm interested in Ralph's too before okay. I before I jump Let's in. Let Ralph go first. I don't again being uh, being more the observer than the expert. Um, it it definitely felt like um, a continuation of what had come before, and so it had a little bit of a, an element of okay, I can see where this is going. Um, I was, um, you know, as far as little specific things, I mean, I think Adam Driver is a genius performer, so he's one of those people I like to watch do anything cause he's just so good at what he does. Um, and, uh, but outside that, I mean, I thought it was a, a nice resolution again, because I saw those three so close together, they kind of fit as one experience almost. Yeah. So I'll go next cause I probably have less to say than Keegan, uh, so I I felt incredibly entertained by it. I felt like there was a lot going on and where at some, I I struggle, I've probably said this on the podcast before, I struggle with longer movies. You know, my attention to them, is it's really difficult. So even, you know, when I binge watch something, I can only watch like an episode at a time. Like I can't, I can't, I can't get too far into something. Um, but this one really ca- captured, you know, my attention the whole time. So the pacing of it, I felt was really good. Um, I struggled so much f- trying to follow what I thought was actually two, s- two stories, sort of the, the laying to rest of the older characters and also trying to resolve, you know, the newer characters as well. And, uh, my, you know, my uh, armchair quarterbacking analysis or whatever it is, is that it was, for me, it was really hard to really see the new characters ever truly develop to their potential because we spent so much time on, you know, trying to fit in some of the older characters, which I really liked uh, in like episode seven, but came to kind of loathe, you know, by the time episode nine came around. Yeah, it is definitely like, especially, I mean, between episode eight and nine, you know, there's a lot of dependency on the old characters. I mean, uh, you know, episode eight, Luke has to come and save the day, uh, at the end and, you know, episode nine effectively, uh, um, Leia. Leia, thank you. Um, Leia saves the day, um, kind of in that one as like the catalyst for the, the new characters to go. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I definitely can see that for sure. I loved Force Awakens when it came out because I interpreted it as almost like Disney saying, uh, almost sort of apologizing for what had happened and really trying to reel back in the quote unquote true fans or people who are, you know, really liked the old, old version of Star Wars. But I also thought it was kind of like saying like, we're sorry, here it is. Okay. Now we need to move on, you know? 
and get to these new characters, but I never felt like we actually made that transition. I thought I I don't know, maybe maybe I just assumed that was that was being let go uh with, you know, losing Han at the end of it or something, but it it, it never really happened, of course, cuz Luke shows up and uh, and ate and everything, so. Yeah, I think it, you know, it's it's you know, when companies think about like how they're going to balance those kinds of different audiences and stuff, like Star Wars is kind of uh, it has it has such an intense following too in terms of folks that are a lot less forgiving. I mean, you know, the folks that uh, that weren't excited about number eight because you know they weren't excited to learn that they weren't going to get a uh, Ray background potentially, right? Like, like kind of freaking out because she wasn't necessarily connected with the rest of the universe uh, per se in that way, even though. Of course, she is a force user and, you know, has that background to her. But, um, yeah, so there's, you know, kind of balancing between that, balancing between the the keeping it, uh, I guess, light and entertaining, too, yeah. Um, is, yeah, that, I think that's, you know, that's a part of the challenge that they face and kind of yields, you know, what we saw on on screen. So that's really interesting, and I didn't know that that was something that was going on where the, the background of Ray was something that, fans were really wanting can you kind of explain maybe some of the top riffs that people had with that transition seven to eight for for listeners yeah so i mean at least from my understanding so all the all of my experience and stuff like uh some of the videos that youtube would send me and stuff you know everybody's guessing that between seven and eight that ray's gonna be a kenobi or ray's gonna be uh, the Kenobi one is really interesting because of some of the stuff that happens in the uh, TV show for um, the uh, Clone Wars. That one, yeah, the Clone Wars. Thank you. Um, so there are like some interesting threads in there, and there's also like an interesting um, kind of thread with uh, um, Qui Gon as well, which kind of is uh is a, a different thing as well so like he so okay we won't get into all of that but anyways like folks were like dead set on her being connected to someone that was in the past it wasn't like a like a fin where you know they come out of just like yeah nowhere and just are a thing um and and i you know i don't necessarily understand the as much of the craze towards that because like i i think that in an, an expansive universe right that it's not going to be about everybody that's present you know in the in the very uh small microcosm of of all of the galaxy right like in theory you're going to have many more people um which is kind of like where some of the the differences between eight and nine come across in particular because um, in eight, you know, it was almost, it was almost portrayed as like, you know, anybody can be a force user, right? Like you don't have to be, you don't have to have Skywalker blood. You don't have to have Obi-Wan blood. You don't have to have any of these, um, lineages to also participate in this, uh, as a force user. So like those, I don't know, those ideas to me were, were really interesting. And I would say even exciting um and this is where i think like the 40 year history of star wars is is even more interesting because as star wars has happened audiences have matured right and we've come to like really understand things like universes a lot more so than 
than than what 1978 probably ever anticipated right and so that's that's part of the, the uniqueness is is part of what we're also doing is grading star wars against avengers right uh and what marvel's done uh and it, it, it it's a it's an interesting balance that i feel like star wars has to play there yeah and that you know that that in and of itself is going to be an you know another like issue and thing altogether cuz um now that the universe has concluded per se um we may not have a trilogy again um in the in the sense that we had where they are planned and the stories planned out like that because um with the at least from the both the rumors and the news that I've seen uh, we have some of the hands that orchestrate some of those avengers items are coming in to work with the star wars pieces too so i you know with you know combine that with the the i guess i'll say flop of uh, solo i mean it didn't do so well so we'll call it a flop um like it you know having that kind of like uh a, a you're unlikely to get more of those kind of yeah story yeah and maybe even like testing the waters right so like they can you know, uh, some of the some of the stories that were from uh, Avengers, right, or like the Ant Man story, got a second movie probably because it did so well, yeah. right? So if you're translating that formula over, then you know we may have some more Mandalorian, you know, content in there now that we've had that show be so successful. So, mm-hmm. Ralph, do you think a trilogy works anymore, or do you think moving towards these more you know, in in a world with streaming, uh, and and longer content becoming more accepted, you know, can can a trilogy give to a story like what just happened with Star Wars Justice, or is it just not enough space? Or it's yeah, you know, there's there's all sorts of like I think competing creative impulses that fall into when you start. There's something you know almost transcendent about the notion of a a three part thing, right? Um, even though there's been different ways yeah. of thinking about that over time. Um, <clears throat> I think the, you know, more of the difficulty may come up as, you know, sort of like areas of intellectual property be- become conscious of whether they're going to be able to continue or not. You know, do they want to create an open-ended kind of thing where they can actually build on what's already there or do they want to like finally conclude? So, um, you know, to, to come up with something that, you know, basically destroys all the rules of the universe that you created so that you can expand it so you can get past, a, you know, a, a something that appears to be final but then ends up not being final in a way. Um, of course, what they've done is just, like, mix up the chronology or, you know, find other parts of this massive universe of possibilities to put something like Mandalorian in. Um, <clears throat> the thing I, I should say that uh, I, I personally am, because I'm a, uh, old school fan of westerns anyway mm. i loved mandalorian because it seemed to be a really good way to set up doing different western film western movie tropes in the star wars universe and so it had a completely different kind of feel from a lot of the way the rest of the star wars universe felt to me and and i found that to be really kind of inviting and appealing um in a way too and 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 there's some characteristic, I, I, I'm always hesitant to describe this because I'm not as much plunged into it, but there's sort of like a, a, uh, the, the, the area that you have like from bottom to top of, you know, what the emotional universe you're in is going to be 
um, in in Star Wars is a really interesting thing because it's so much designed to be accessible to really young kids and to sort of then appeal to the young kid inside of the people who grew up in it, sort of, sort of maintain that uh, exciting feeling that you had when you were first exposed to it. Um, and then what does that bring with it in terms of, you know, limitations on what you can and can't do in the stories? So, for example, you know, you can create darkness, right? But the darkness is going to, it's it's only going to be so dark before it gets sure. into, you know, grotesque that is not suitable for that universe in particular. So I think it's, I think it's interesting to see how that's evolved over time. I think there's been a temperamental shift as Lucas is kind of, um, kind of let go of tight control. I don't know, uh, Keegan, you probably would have a better sense of this, but... Yeah, um, so far as I know is like the episode <laughs> 7, 8, and 9 were, um, you know, the, he had handed over his notes per se, but having given up con creative control, there wasn't, you know, uh, uh, we don't know necessarily exactly, you know, if how much all of that kind of lined up with his plan. And from what I know... Uh, it didn't necessarily in in certain regards. So, yeah, and um, I I don't know. Did you have anything you wanted to say about that particular part of it? The Lucas factor is you know sort of like in or out of control of this because there's by the time the universe expands, there's so many creative hands and different yeah, parts of it. I guess I'd say that I think one thing that's probably unfair to the franchise at all as at all is it's hard to not try to conceive of how Lucas would have done it. Right. Um, and I think it is really interesting sort of, as I was mentioning, like with game of Thrones, similar types of criticism that you saw because, you know, something was written that wasn't really within the canon of the original story or someone taking over. Um, you know, although I mean, Lucas didn't direct all, th you know, all four, five and six either. But I, but I mean, he certainly had such a hand in, in, in the storyline. And then obviously in, in one, two and three too, I think it's, I think it's really interesting. It, it almost feels, it, it almost feels like it's, it's impossible to do is to really end this story without his hand touching it because it, it you know, it, it feels almost, it, I mean, it doesn't feel unfair. He, he let it happen. Right. Right. Yeah. But we all kind of also wonder what, what that ending could have possibly been or what, you know, is there something else and will we have liked it more or less? And, you know, what, what could have been like to see Lucas play a, a heavier hand in the story, but also still having Disney, uh, you know, as a producer. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause if, I mean, if you want to get into some of that too, like some of the old stories that are now not considered Canon that are, you know, beloved, like um, there are stories with Luke and his son, Hmm. Ben Skywalker, um, so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a, a a a Ben Solo. There was a right. Ben Skywalker, and you know the the kids of both uh, the kids of both Luke and Leia. You know, like those kinds of stories are out there and exist. But you know what? It, I guess that brings up the interesting question of like if it's not canon now, like where is the sure. like what what value does it hold towards the the whole universe? Um, and I. You know, I, I don't know that that always has challenged me because like even with the the ninth movie, some of the force abilities that they used. So the healing ability has right. been in Star Wars for forever. It's been 
like it's been in the games it's been um it's been there for a long time the the ability where okay, but explain to me <laughs> this is like one of the we explain how the story happens so explain to me why ben can heal ray but then ray can't come back and heal ben so okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because I don't understand that because she seems to have the healing power. Yeah. So, well, but he dies. So, the healing, um, at least from my understanding, is a uh, is a Jedi ability and not a Sith ability, which is part ah. is part of it because the Sith aren't like able in their mind to give back their energy and their but soul. Doesn't she heal someone at some point? Am I just making that up? She well, never does. She heals the. I mean, in that movie, she heals the worm, and right. then she that's heals yeah. the. Yes. And that's like the precursor. Which, if you were watching the Mandalorian at the time, the baby Yoda does the healing in the episode before the movie comes out too. So, like that was another uh, like, yeah. hey, this is a thing that is going to be canonized as well. Um, but like the even the the ability for the when they traded the lightsabers across distance or yeah. the the you know there were weird like really interesting visual scenes right where they're like fighting even though they're not in the same space but then like their right. interactions are really happening yeah and there is a force ability about that it's called um i think it's like fold space is what it is so like that exists in the universe and i believe fold space exists in the canonized universe because it's also ability in the Star Wars Dungeons and Dragons RPG kind of thing too. So like it's something that characters can learn. Um, but yeah, so like a lot of those things are there. It's just that, you know, are we recognizing them? You know, we can't really recognize them as canon until they're done by Disney now in a weird kind of backwards way. I don't know. And that I don't know. That's like, like they like reaffirm ideas that might have, you know, been brought up in the past. Yeah. Until Disney sort of reaffirms that we don't, you don't really yeah. bring it in. Exactly. It's, 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 it's kind of interesting to think about like, yeah, who's, who's the, who's the thumbprint is it, yeah. right? Because, you know, again, before the acquisition, if somebody said to you, hey, guess who's going to like completely rediscover Star Wars from the inside out? That's right. Disney. Yeah. You'd be like, you, huh. you could conceive of it, but it would seem just like rapacious capitalism. It wouldn't yeah. seem like, you know, a potentially, you know, strong. Uh, I would think anyway for the fan community, it would be seen as kind of like, a, eh, that could be weird. Yeah. Can you speak about like what those, init- do you remember the Disney acquisition? Oh, I mean, from what I- I mean, I... hadn't Lucas just said like months before, it'll never, you know, there's never going to be any more <laughs> movies ever? Um, yeah, then, like, so- Dis- Disney acquisition is announced, like- Yeah, I can't quite- I don't, re- I don't remember it enough. I can't quite remember Lucas's words, but I remember when the- I remember hearing from friends that were both excited and just fearful, fearful overall. Um, the folks that were fearful overall um, were uh, had been really threatened by Disney saying that, you know, we're decanon, we're not going to canonize everything that's been written. So all the books aren't going to come into the universe with us. Um, all the backstories uh, of, you know, the the Sith from eons ago and different things that we now we don't know we don't know now if those actually happened per se which is kind of a weird yeah i don't know it's a weird kind of backtracking in that regard um which kind of brings up to me like other like not necessarily like copyright kinds of things but it's just weird to like have you know the 
I don't know. That's just weird to me. Like we, you, you have a cache of ideas yes. that you can pull from that aren't yours. Not, not only have <laughs> we acquired it, but then we can also decide what we do want and don't want, you know, do, yeah. like, don't want to agree with whatever. It's interesting. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, that's why, you know, that's why the, the force fold in episode nine, you know, they could, you know, they could have just invented that. Right. Well, but it's already an idea that's been around yeah. for at least, you know, a uh, a decade or so. So, yeah. For what it's worth, uh, there's a Hollywood Reporter story, kind of like talking about, uh, you know, kind of the future plans for the franchise, and uh, and this this is the sort of thing that like the Disney presence kind of makes sense. Um, so they write uh, after wrapping a nine film saga, Lucasfilms has yet to announce its way forward for the next Star Wars branded theatrical film set for release three years from now on December sixteenth, twenty twenty two with other entries planned in December 2024 and December 2026. Parentheses, the franchise will alternate on holiday release dates with Disney's planned Avatar sequels mm, yeah, in 2021, right. 23, and 27. So this so, is, yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the theories that are out there for what these might be? Um, I So that I haven't read as much about. Yeah. I think the main thing is that um, uh, is that, you know, following more, you know, they have a successful model over at Marvel that they can just pull from. Uh, and then if they're going to if they're going to kind of, you know, go th- that way, that direction, um, that it's probably that kind of uh, uh, um, set up where we may see individual stories for those three that Ralph was talking about that aren't necessarily connected to each other. But then, you know, if two of them do really well and then one doesn't, then yeah. Yeah. So, well, let me ask a question. Is the, because you talked, you've mentioned is or is not canon a couple of times. I think it's a really interesting concept. And every time I hear it in that, I always am brought back to Ren and Stimpy because the Ren and Stimpy cartoons were perfectly happy to kill anyone anytime. (laughs) And then the next cartoon would start like nothing ever happened. So how do you think about that? I mean, is there, um, is it something that you adhere to pretty strictly or is it pretty, or in the community, does it seem to be something that's, you know, fighting words when it comes right down to it or. Well, I mean, it, you know, it, it depends on a couple of things. Cause, um, one thing in particular that like one of the, the criticisms of episode nine is the fact that, um, uh, uh, the, the story went through something called retconning, which is retroactively, canonizing is what that is so retconning for instance of the decision for Ray's lineage for for example like that one in particular um and you know so like some folks are not necessarily excited about like that's kind of like a a cheesy plan uh fan pleasing kind of thing to do uh in some people's eyes but at the same time like other folks are like you know, this is this is always how we've thought about it. So now it's like just aligning with our thoughts that are already there. So it kind of depends who you're talking to in that regard, too. That's so, a, I was just I, I hadn't heard that term before retconning. Yeah, I, it's real interesting because I'm just you know doing a little glance at it. It plays a role in the Sherlock Holmes yeah, mythology. It's, so, yep. It's yeah. a it's a big thing. It's mm-hmm. it's fun to explore sometimes, too. Yeah. With an open mind. Okay, so let me ask both of you as the more dedicated people. This is like the highlight, lowlight question here, right? So for each of you, 
what's the highlight from the whole Star Wars universe, like the moment or the sequence or the scene that sticks out to you the most? And then what's the low light? So let's start with the, should mm. we start with the low lights or is that more fun? Let's start with the, I don't know. What do you think? Let's start with the highlights. So Keegan, what's your highlight from your whole vast Star Wars experience? So I can I can name a few, um, and you'll, some. You'll of... know I'm not asking what's your favorite <laughs> film, right? Yeah, or what's yeah. your least favorite film? Well, because yep. it's a big sprawling thing. So yeah, well, because I can name a few, because I can name a few sequences, like um, like having grown up for Episode One. One of the things that I really did enjoy at that time was the. I really enjoyed the pod racing. I was going to say because, same, that was like my highlight, but it but it was for similar reasons. It's the age that I was at the time. Yeah, and then there yeah. was a there was a video game out that was both right. for um I think it was Nintendo sixty four and the computer that was pod racing, yeah. and it was just like it was so fun to like pod race and then watch pod racing and like do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like that one would be a highlight in that regard. Um, I think one of the big highlights for the uh, I mean, I just rewatched number six recently because I really enjoy the final like battle and sequences of all of that. Like, it's just really fun. At the same time, I really like, uh, like I'll watch episode five because I really like the the Hoth battle too of like how it starts out and kicks off. And um, so like some of that is just, you know, really intense and really interesting. And then I think for the, for the new ones, um, I I just like how the universe is expanding. Like that's one of my biggest things, like the fact that um that they're just bringing in so many different characters and different kinds of aspects of the universe that aren't necessarily things that I I don't know. I mean, maybe I would see them on the in the movies and stuff, but it's just it's just fun to to see all of those those ideas coming to fruition like um the uh, and like some of the cinematic stuff too, like episode eight, the, uh, the battle at the end where you're on the, the, the salt planet and it's like the red salt and it's like, yeah. like it just looks so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's definitely some aspects like that, that I would include into highlights for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Okay. Adam? We'll go, go get his lowlights too. Okay. All right. All right. More. Yeah. So okay. Get lowlights. Okay. So lowlights. Um, I think... Let's see. So, so actually, um, the probably the lowest light I have is the chase scene in episode eight. Um, I just didn't like like it was it was fine and stuff, but it was just like it's like a really long sequence of time to dedicate um, to like not a whole bunch of movement in terms of story necessarily. Like it, I don't know. It's an exciting chase scene, I guess, but that's probably like my least favorite thing in that regard. Um, I think I really am sad, like that they kill off Qui-Gon Jinn so early in like this, you know, episode one, he's gone. I mean, you know, at the same time, uh, Darth Maul is quite the, quite the villain. Right. So, but I think Qui-Gon is just, he's one of my favorite characters. So like to re-experience him in the Clone Wars TV show and some of these other spaces is just phenomenal because I I don't know. I like some of that stuff that wasn't in the movies mm-hmm. per se. So the whole light there was like losing the opportunity to have something yeah, more with the for, character. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then let's see, I'm trying to think of one for the first three. Um, 
I don't know. Uh, the first, the the original, you know, four, five, and six. It's harder for me to to pull those low lights. Right. Okay. Maybe the you know what it is. I know what it is. It's the lightsaber graphics from nineteen seventy seven. That's what it is. So um, because like I I watch that fight now and um, like the remastered versions. Some of the frames are like weirdly green, so it's like a pain to even watch it because yeah. it's like been try, they tried to touch it up so many times that yeah. it's like like it doesn't even look. I don't know, natural anymore. Mm-hmm. Not that it, I don't know. That, that's, that'd be the low light for the four, five, and six is, okay. the, is that first. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's sort of like, yeah, correcting all of the match shot mistakes from mm-hmm. the original. Yeah. So. Okay, so my, <clears throat> what, one of my highlights is just like the experience itself. So the first, well, really the only one that I did like as a midnight showing was episode two, which is also probably a low light and that's probably my least favorite uh, you know, movie itself was Attack of the Clones. So, um, but I really enjoyed that. I think because at the time, Star Wars was like, and, and it didn't, I feel like it still didn't really happen until Disney, but, but Star Wars was such a, like a nerdy thing. Like I remember watching uh, a segment on uh, Conan O'Brien with like Triumph the Insult comic dog, like going to a Star Wars convention <laughs> and like just like putting everyone on blast and making fun of them and just calling them dorks, you know. And like that, tra- the, so the transition to me is like is like a highlight to kind of watch that happen. That it became something that became so mainstream. I think it's really interesting. Um, from the movies itself, uh finding out that there was a CGI Tarkin was like mind blowing to me from like a, from a technology perspective. So not as much CGI Leia, uh, which, you know, for whatever reason to me, just, I don't know if it was just Carrie Fisher was more fresh, you know? Uh, but I didn't really like, I I, I didn't love that treatment of her, of her. Uh, but just like the first time seeing like a full CGI character, uh, in it, uh, integrated into the film just really like blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have like a strong low light. I was trying to think about like as a kid sort of things that like really didn't, you know, didn't sit well with me. And my best like kid e- example is like uh, finding out that Luke and Leia were siblings. Like just like, there's like sort of like the gross kid, like, ew, <laughs> you know, like it really like, I really struggled with that. For, and I guess we, we've all came fine with it, you know, over time. But Yeah, kind of like a childhood trauma thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. A, almost a Freudian scene. Right. Like, like what, the opposite. Right, right. <laughs> so that, that, that's the best that I can come up with uh-huh. on the low lines. Okay. That's interesting. I, I what Part of what I find interesting is when you're, when, so like Keegan, you think of them as like trilogies and they're, you know, kind of like in your head like that. And Adam yeah, thinking of it as, you know, kind of like one yeah. universe thing. Yeah. So I think it's it's interesting how we, you know, kind of like divide all that up when we indulge in it, how yeah. we think about it. Okay, so here's what, where I want to wrap up. I, I want to talk more Disney, right? So um, looking at the box office numbers from 2019, of the top 10 grossing films, Disney produced or co-produced eight of them. So if you want to throw in, if you want to give them credit for Spider-Man, you can do that too. Um, although they're technically just a co-producer, but they, they've fully produced seven of them of the top 10. Uh, and we saw obviously Star Wars and Avengers come to it, come to the end. Are we at peak Disney? I don't, I don't think they are done gathering up stuff yet. 
because um like i know i know there's um uh, there's rumors of different things that they're looking at acquiring yeah um so um i'm checking on one so i don't say it um uh but um yeah i think i don't you know i think i think we could literally see 10 for 10 in yeah. a, f- a few years from now, from now so and you know whether that's you know it's exciting for fun and you know awesome engaging movies it's also kind of that you know it's all i mean there's also in that there's kind of a nerdy question about the reorganization of our media environment too right which would be why wouldn't any entity that disney's acquired like go off on their own and say well we don't want to give you a cut anymore we want it to be like our own thing and since since the machinery is in place to get people to subscribe to any one of these individual components that makes up Disney, so then it becomes a question of like, on the one hand, packaging, can you get enough together to get the subscriber numbers right when you're putting all of the pieces together of whatever your combination of things is going to be? Or is there a brand identity that's actually going to make it all work? Right. Yeah. That's going to tie all those pieces together. So, you know, I always find the question of, so of asking people, so what's the brand of HBO? And they're like, you know, they'll talk about what they've watched, but it doesn't really comprehensively talk about the brand. Disney's a little different because Disney's always had such a clearly identifiable, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it makes it kind of unique in a way, even in these other acquisitions, you know, I mean, Pixar is, is kind of fundamentally a completely different approach to telling right. stories than Disney animation's always been. Right. But it fits, you know, kind of yeah. fits into the into what the brand is for, for all the, you know, good and nasty that Disney is over time. Yeah. So so I think and, and I don't think that that reorganization's done. So right. I think it's going to continue to to change. That's going to have an effect on how this how we experience these pieces of intellectual property. So are you saying that you think that there's a point where Disney has acquired so much that it's impossible for them to almost not act independently, you know, that they start treating it more independently just because of how much they've acquired? It's well, I think it's more of like a consolidation conglomeration question, yeah. you know, of um cuz, you know, at at one point in our history there were three television networks right that's where all television came through and you know arguably there were you know five or six cable or more of course but you know five or six big cable companies and we got all of our stuff through them and all of that has just exploded into individual subscriptions that can be as small as you know a a genre a very specific genre subscription or you know a, a type to other combinations that come together as a streaming service so i'm just thinking you know what's what's the incentive for people to work together versus go out on their own does that make sense yeah yeah well and i'd be curious to see too like um like not necessarily things that are branded disney but are just under their shop so like the um uh, when you sign up for Disney Plus, so you can watch The Mandalorian because it's the show to watch basically right now on that streaming service. Uh, it prompts you to sign up for Hulu and ESPN for right. like uh, a pretty, I mean, I, I would say a pretty low amount comparatively. Sure. I think it's like twelve ninety nine or right. I don't know something, but to like acquire like all of those things. So I wonder like if we'll see. Um, like social media, for instance, like tons of folks are on Instagram and these other things, but you know, Instagram is owned by, uh, Facebook. uh, Facebook and yeah. So yeah, we may, 
at the end of the day, it may just be that they are all under different wheelhouses that people see different icons for too, in certain ways. This was, there was one story on Business Insider. I just wanted to mention this because, uh, because of Mandalorian that they had reported that the Mandalorian is the most in-demand TV show in the world, you know, within three weeks after its debut, which is, you know, kind of, I think a really interesting, notable thing, both for, you know, what that was, but also, you know, because the, I mean, the competition is so fierce and the audiences are so different from what they used to be. And for it to accumulate that much interest is, is really significant, I think. Well, but I don't necessarily know what's like what's competing with it now at that scale, for instance. Mm-hmm. But also not only that, like um, uh, like for those that loved the like Star Wars TV shows that are all for kids and stuff like this is like the like this is preferred i would say for a lot of people where you know yeah we can we can watch some of these kids shows that are actually pretty intense in terms of like what they tackle in terms of you know betrayal and death and all of those different things um but like you know at the end of the day it can only be pg or pg13 or mm-hmm. whatever where you can have a, a mandalorian or something that yeah well they were for this particular story they were using a company called parrot analytics that um compares like the in-demand moment for a particular show and they were so they were the the point of the story was it had beat stranger things which had been the previous Mm. most in-demand television show at its time and then game of thrones and the crown were the other ones that were up there yeah yeah but now mandalorian's like the thing so okay um last question keegan anything any predictions that you have for Star Wars that you want to get on record right now? This is your chance. Um, we, uh, because of the the fans' craziness towards linkage and lineages, we are not going to say goodbye to a lot of these characters mm-hmm. that we have. Um, like, they will probably, I mean, they're going to create new ones and do all of that, but we're still we're still going to see folks from time to time um because you know just like the rumor is that we're going to see um even uh um iron man in some of the movies perhaps for marvel like some of those big names and those recognizable things i think are going to come back for sure um even if it's just for you know cameos and whatnot makes total sense i am uh, <clears throat> In a universe where no one dies in space and, and in time don't exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. The idea of characters coming back. I yeah, once once you've invented the, the technologies, then all you need is a time loop and you're you're done. Yeah. You just go at will. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean at that point, right, we already have one CGI character. How like, crazy would it be to have like think of like an episode four point five or something like that. Something that splits some of the early uh early episodes but it's done fully CGI. Yeah. To made to look exactly like that. I don't think we're that far away from doing that, you know? Well, I mean, How, didn't they, wasn't there like, I guess the scene where uh, Luke is training Leia, right? To be. Yeah. So that would have been after, <clears throat> after six. So right. that would have been between six and seven. So crazy, which there's tons of books and different content about that. Like if you want to read about, although, you know, not canonized necessarily um but if you want to read about things like leia's training and stuff uh like that stuff also exists yeah. so, so I, i'm guessing lego is not canon at this point but the uh, uh yeah that's the, a good question well 
you say that, but like all of the Lego toys for Marvel that come out, like everybody looks to those for spoilers because huh. like they reflect what is going to be in the in the movies and things too. So they, I don't know if they technically are. That's a good question. So, okay, D- do we get to a point where? you know, with technology and deep fakes and whatever, that the audience does control and, and are able to make versions of the story or, you know, recreate this in the same way we see like fan fiction, right? Mm-hmm. You know, does the technology get to the, the point where maybe there, there becomes the Star Wars movies that the fans wish would have happened or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I That's think nuts. I think we already see that to some degree. The big example that I'll throw out is the... um the Hobbit version of the Hobbit movies mm. where they um, basically only um, there's an edit where you can see all three of them, but it's only the content that was in the book. So like, you know, stuff like that is a thing that you yeah. can go out and, and can be found. So yeah, there are interesting. We watched a, a 30 minute edit of the Lord of the Rings trilogy mm-hmm. and it was really interesting to see, you know, such a massive canvas, you know, kind of crammed down to, you know, that, and it kind of had an interesting flow to it too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but you know, we're talking about like, that's bringing pieces together. Generation of stuff will be, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm surely, you know, things will get far enough along that we'll have fan fiction E type things yeah. that are video stuff if they're not already there. All right. That's a good place to end. I think so. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for your time. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks Keegan. Thanks for coming in and talking to us. Oh yeah. This is easy to talk about. So, <laughs> all right. See y'all.